Well, hello there, citizens of the Reject Nation. Greg here. Hey, John, how are you? I'm good, man. I'm, I'm fantastic. How are you, uh, sir? Are you trying to do the ant thing in there? Was that what you're trying to do? That was what Fant I was trying to do. Okay, yeah. I, saw, I saw what you I'm did. I'm fantastic. Hey, ladies and gentlemen, if you could leave a like on this video, that'd be very much appreciated. Listen, we tried shooting this at the theater. They wouldn't allow it. We tried shooting outside, it was way too dark. You just wouldn't be able to see us. We tried shooting in the parking lot at the movie theater. Security guard there, nice guy, wasn't a fan <laughs> of what we were doing. <laughs> Rushed back here, and uh, now we're in the backyard shooting this. When we could be inside, like pros <laughs> in the nice studio, and everything. just a regular video, but we wanted to maintain some of the integrity of the just watched video. So as opposed to seeing it just five minutes ago, like we normally do, now we've seen it. 20 minutes ago. So it's not that big of a difference. It's a big difference. <laughs> John, since I know I got a lot to get off my chest here, what's the plot of the movie? You know, it, it's a few years after Endgame. Scott Lang is now an author. He's capitalizing on his Avengers fame. Uh, but his daughter, Cassie Lang, is a rebellious teenager now. She's landing herself in jail, which, of course, is, is just funny. It's not a really big deal. No consequences to that. Uh, so she's doing great. She builds this machine that accidentally gets them all sucked into the quantum realm where Janet's like, no, I, I hate it here and I don't want to talk about it. I don't want to tell you anything about it for half the movie. I'm going to draw out this suspense for something we already know is coming and then Kang's here he's gonna set up phase five and he needs some MacGuffin so he can break out of you know the quantum realm and there's shenanigans and stuff hopes in the background here and there Hank is along for the ride that, that's pretty much it Alrighty, look there's a lot of things that I want to talk about with this movie a good amount we can't talk about that is non-spoiler there's a lot that we can't talk about that is very spoiler heavy a lot of those things that I take gripe with with this movie that I imagine you do too because we didn't talk to each other at all during the movie no <laughs> and what I was surprised by was when the movie was done, I was like, ah, oh, great, this is going to be one of those films where <laughs> I'm going to be arguing with John and he's going to be telling me what he loves about it and I'm going to be like, well, no, here's why I don't like this part of the movie, man. Oh, wow, to my surprise, from the brief time we talked about it, we're I think we're on the same page. We about had this the movie. same anxiety about <laughs> this movie. Yeah. I could be the one who's like, I guess I just didn't click with it. Yeah. Here's the bottom line opinion about it, all right? The most I can do is be blunt. Overall, it was fine. And I know normally when you say something like that, people will yell at you going, why don't you just say it's bad? Why don't you just say what you really feel? And I will tell you what I really feel. I had a lot of issues with this movie. Would it be a lie for me to say that there weren't parts of this movie that I did really enjoy? I would even say there's a solid 30 minutes of this film that I was very much engaged with. You know the part in the trailers when Ant-Man and Kang meet each other? A little bit before that, and like 20 minutes after that, there's a specific chunk of the movie where I was like, okay, finally, this movie's really, <laughs> it's really got me. I'm, I'm, I'm in. I'm really in. Yeah. And then it started to lose me again. And the finale of this film especially started losing me. I know normally in reviews you want to like hit all the good points first and then you go into the negatives. It's just going to be a, it's no, just going to be a very straightforward discussion. It's a good three-song run in the middle of the <laughs> yeah. album. It's good. Well, yeah, the movie's not exactly like a three-act or even a five-act structure. There's like a ten-act structure to this movie. So <laughs> and yet most weird. of it feels like act two somehow. It's very yeah. strange. It's a paradox. <laughs> it is a paradox of sorts. Okay, so the first thing that people probably want you to talk about, right? King the Conqueror, Jonathan Majors. How is he? Well, I can tell you that I think Jonathan Majors did an excellent job with the material 
that he was given. I think he really elevates the material. It's really important for me to emphasize the word elevate. I'm not exactly 100% thrilled about King the Conqueror in total, if that makes sense. Again, a lot of it to really describe it would be very spoilery. I'll just tell you some afterthought opinions. I'm not exactly thrilled at the prospect of Kang being the uh, big baddie of Phase 5, because while this movie really seems to step out of its way to not really be an Ant-Man movie a lot of the time, but really set up Phase 5, it does <laughs> yeah. a great job at setting up Phase 5. It really does. Sure. Because you're like, all right, I at least get what Phase 5 is going towards. Yeah. I can see threads coming together. I can see clarity. Like you mentioned yeah. when we came out of the movie, there's some clarity from Phase 4 coming into this. Especially a lot of visual motifs and some lines of dialogue where I'm like, oh, I'm even seeing some of Phase 4 actually clicking together. So they must have heard all the complaints people were having or like, make sure this shit is clear. <laughs> Pay lip movie. service to interconnectivity. Ant-Man and the Wasp and the King movie. <laughs> make it clear. While I think he brings a lot of gravitas to it, the way they execute the character and what they give him to do in this film. I didn't find him scary. I thought a lot of what they chose to do with his movie really undercuts him as a threat. I really think Scarlet Witch could whoop. I think if you watch this movie, I, I don't feel like there's a question in your mind that you'd be like, Scarlet Witch could whoop this guy's ass. Yeah. So why would I be excited about like the Avengers having to deal with this guy? Because this movie also goes out of its way a lot to be like, he's hyper intelligent. He's so smart. He's so threatening. He's unspeakably But the movie evil. never really shows you, despite the fact that when he is talking, it is the most engaging, yet the movie never really gives you an insight as to how. And then the way the movie progresses, I'm like, this guy? <laughs> this is the dude you've been building up for so long who's also going to have his own dynasty later on. Yeah, and that's probably going to be the most unpopular opinion out there because I'm sure everyone's raving. Because again, he does a great job. No, it's the rest of the movie. The writing and the direction doesn't necessarily bolster. It doesn't help his performance more than he's helping out everything else around him. And on top of that, that creates this sort of teetering between what could be a real formidable villain who presents a harrowing set of stakes versus something that starts to feel a bit like a costume party that's turned angry the mid credit scene i bet if we go online right now there's a lot of people hyping up this mid credits yes there are <laughs> there are you looked uh, i've seen a few responses and i've seen people be like oh man that mid credit scenes <laughs> i thought the mid credit scene was a joke it like, feels quite silly if i were to tell you what it is contextually you'd be like awesome that's what i was hoping for yeah contextually the way it's executed was <laughs> like an snl sketch to me meets the ending of the planet of the apes movie with mark Wahlberg. <laughs> it's not like that ending but it has that vibe of that ending like it thinks or, it's real cool we're supposed to be like really cool and serious and setting something up but i'm like this is just so so silly and, and people laughing in the screening where we're at. I bet not at the movie premiere they weren't laughing, but no. at the screening we were at, people well, were laughing at the premiere, at it. You couldn't hear any of the dialogue to know over the cheering. I can't wait to talk about it because that was a really cringy mid-credits yes, scene. Yes, that's a good way to put that, yeah. It does feel like they rented out a warehouse for an afternoon and tacked something on. Well, that's supposed to be the major punctuation on this movie, and yeah, it feels very much like it must have something to do with Spider-Man. <laughs> you know, like, it, it does give you that sort of stilted vibe. I mean, the post credit scene is good. Yes, it is. <laughs> I won't ruin it, but it's obviously Peyton Reed didn't do it. 
(laughs) (laughs) It's a bit detached from the immediate proceedings. That was what elicited the most from the audience. In a lot of ways, it is one of the most interesting moments the entire movie gives you is at the very end of the credits. With this film, there's, there's no real struggle. And I don't mean that just emotionally. There's no real conflict. The most engaging way for for most movies is if there's an external struggle and they have to like go through it and then they change as a person like how does this experience of going toe-to-toe with the villain change them as an individual what do they have to overcome there's none of that in this movie it's a movie that on surface might be like this is the weirdest mcu movie ever (sighs) it's about as old marvel generic as you can get there's not a lot of stakes in this movie <laughs> i feel like it, it feels like they really prioritized plot over everything else and setups over everything else in a way that makes it feel like there's a ton going on there's lots of stuff happening and yet not much is really achieving any kind of momentum they keep shifting the plot around there's like 10 acts in this movie i never really had time to get invested in something enough to worry about it to fear for it to be concerned about it and then when they finally set up a plot that you see kind of teased in the trailer i'm like okay well we're now we're at the end of the movie it really feels like peyton reed's desire not to be the palate cleanser movie and to instead be the avengers level movie has really worked against it because on the one hand i feel like that could equate to some interesting strides for the ant-man trilogy and it doesn't funny enough feel like the third installment in the ant-man trilogy really at all making it this avengers level set of stakes kind of took a lot of the personality and a lot of the actual scope and scale like if you look back on the previous Ant-Man movies this doesn't need to be that but it's tempered by the real world and the changing of size of familiar objects and this almost does none of that and it also pairs down the humor and I feel like you could have made an Avengers level movie with that level of impact out of Ant-Man and used that as an opportunity to hoist a, a more B-level or a less successful character into the main spotlight. This is the most I've felt like the VFX team did just direct the movie based off the notes that whatever the interconnectivity like required. And Modoc, Modoc is the thing that I feel will be really hated. I don't hate Modoc in this movie. I think I kind of enjoyed him. He's one yeah. of the things I like more and is actually a bit weird about the movie. It's weird. It's like when it first is presented, you're like that is awful CGI. <laughs> weird looking. They play into it in the script, in the actual reactions from the, like they react more to Modoc than they do to anything else in this plot. Seriously. <laughs> they react more to him because he is weird. He's got the dead eye effect, old CGI. And I'm like, but maybe that's intentional. I, I don't know. He's not threatening he's not scary whatsoever he is just a joke but he had two moments in this movie two specific lines of dialogue i could think of those were some of the funniest i laughed in the whole film absolutely as much as i know this character will definitely upset people he made me laugh that was one of the most intentional things about this movie was to not take him seriously and they didn't take him seriously and then they leaned into that i know there's going to be a lot of people who don't like it and will think it's one of the worst things marvel's ever done (laughs) but screw it at least something intentional they went for was like yeah i I, at least i laughed at that you know Paul Rudd is good, uh, as He's always. Paul Rudd. He's good. He's Paul Rudd. He gets more dramatic work to do here than he did in any of the other films we've seen him do. And I, I thought he was believable in those moments. Cassie Lang. I like Catherine Newton, the actress, uh, quite a bit. And, sure. and, and I'm not going to lie. I imagine there'll be a lot of people with a lot of problems with her. Again, it's one of these situations where I'm like, I enjoy Catherine Newton. There's so much about the execution and the writing, the storytelling of this character. Wow, what a convenient experience. This movie is so filled with visual effects, but there's no sense of awe or wonder. Okay, let's look at Hank Pym. I get if he's seen some shit. 
and he's not like exactly entirely thrown off base, but he should be at least a little fascinated by what's going on. Yeah. So should Wasp, but especially Cassie Lang. There should at least be some sense of horror. He's never <laughs> glimpsed even as a smidge of what yeah. this world could be beyond our own. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Beyond just having Yellow Jacket come into a room and then five year disappear because the quantum realm's nothing like That's a whole different thing. Yeah, 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 yeah. You just got sucked through a vortex into the atoms beneath atoms. You should at least have a reaction to that. And beyond that, neither John or I are a fan of this phrase. I'm going to have to say it, though, because I can't really think of anything more efficiently to describe it at this moment in time. There is the Mary Sue effect that people often say where I normally don't agree with its application of that word. I'm like, yeah, it's it's reasons like this why why this word exists. (laughs) Yeah, because the truth of the matter for me is it's not even like I got annoyed. It was like I could feel the movie removing opportunities for itself to have impactful character moments with Cassie and with Scott together and her growth as a character because too it's the first time we're seeing Cassie in this capacity as a potential young Avenger and stuff like that and it's the first time that we're getting to witness her you know experiencing all this stuff and yet the movie maneuvers her into a place where everything's just cool and she's just kind of got this and no matter what conflict comes her way everybody around her is like nah you're fine it's fine you're good even Scott with his minor disciplinary dad dude just is a cool you know the trailers really made it seem like that it was something about i really want time with my daughter back hank's giving me an offer that's the way the trailers pitched it yeah that's not the movie they set you up like cassie and and scott must have like a strained messed up relationship <laughs> yeah, of sorts or something he's been and gone like, and she's fallen on the wrong path man oh you're like not really you're bringing it along pretty well so with that there's no character arc in this movie at all it's pretty much scott has not been doing heroic stuff lately now he's doing something heroic. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's been a while since the last Avengers level threat. Now Scott has a new Avengers level threat. Janet, they're setting her up for she's got to confront the demons from her past, but that kind of just gets no, lost. No, she needs to hold on to exposition until it's yeah, time to give right. it out. It just gets completely lost in, <laughs> yeah. in the mix. They lose a lot of opportunities for multiple characters to have actual emotional beats and arcs. And it's funny because I've seen a lot of people respond to this saying, it's such a heartwarming father-daughter story. And that's all I was hoping for. It was a surface cute level. Yeah. Like I said, everything word. went to the fine level. Like, you just don't know what to care about. You get thrust into the quantum realm, and you see that in the trailer they got all this like civilization of people and stuff they just keep saying shit like kang's bad (laughs) right he did stuff to our people and i think there's like a line in there that says what he did the movie never lets you get to actually know these people and a big part of it is wanting to start an uprising and a revolution you don't feel for it why would i care they even have this setup in here where scott is like we just got to get out of here but cassie's like no dad we got to help these people and you never get a moment the slightest spoiler i'm going to give you is you never get a moment where you see scott being like you're right. We got to help these yeah, we people. We owe it to yeah. these people. It yeah. never becomes about that, but it becomes a focus of the film. But I'm like, I never got to know these people. I don't know why I should care about this. The movie just shows you a lot of like weird designs of the quantum realm, but you don't really get to know the quantum realm. And they keep seeing Kings and like this oppressive thing. When you go around the city, it looks like you guys are living a regular normal lives. Like the worst that Kings got are these security guard androids, which suck, by the way. They the are ineffective. How does this the master level scientist guy 
when he builds the weakest henchmen. Because he has no formidable challengers in this realm. That's why he's <laughs> revered as this crazy warlord, is because there's just no competition. Oh. They don't show you the occupation, and they don't really give you any taste of what life is like down here under this oppression, or what the oppression even looks like or extends to. I know that that's the cliche. You have a big baddie and got a bunch of henchmen who you just kick and punch. I know that's a cliche, but this is... The guy who they've been saying is this highest level intellect genius, but I'm like, Ultron did better in a day than you <laughs> than did you have in all this time you've been here. <laughs> banished out here for decades yeah. upon decades. It's not difficult to keep up with. I really feel like the, the movie just needed like an extra 30 minutes just so we could have some much some needed room. scenes to help these emotional moments land more. Otherwise, it's just another movie where a lot of people walk away from going like, yeah, cool action. And it sets up phase five well. Really, I think a lot of the best Marvel movies are always setting up the future of Marvel. But that's only a percentage of the film. Where this seemed like its main intent was to set up the future. I wasn't personally like, yeah. People often complain about green screen heavy movies. But this really stood out to me. Because as impressive as the visual effects are, there are scenes, like when they, especially when they first go into the quantum realm. One thing I'll give Peyton Reed credit for was I love the choice of when to use music and when to not use music. Because a lot of the times these movies can be quite bombastic with music to really try to enhance the experience. But a lot of the time there was no music and I thought that was better and it made a lot of the sound design zeroed in a lot better for a lot of these key sequences because all the visual effects are great. That scene where you see multiple Ant-Man and stuff, what a cool sequence. It was a fantastic sequence. Sure. It was amazing. Occasionally a few wonky moments but what movie would not have some wonky VFX once in a while. It's as great as visuals can be, that stuff can wear thin after a while because it just starts becoming like a lot of noise. The thing that I felt the most that this movie was was like I was standing in line for an Avengers ride and then <laughs> they had these like special clips to watch while you're waiting in line and I had the feeling of like oh cool they got the actors to show up for this but you know when the actors show up for that shit they're not giving it their like they're all yeah <laughs> and they don't how... feel like they're truly in whatever world they're being like it, it everything feels a little more green screeny in one of those ride videos and here even it feels like everyone's just kind of in a big warehouse with a bunch of animation around them and even yeah. the way that it's shot is kind of that like ah we didn't really have that much time so just keep it into basic coverage and some basic wide shots and that's about it. As cool as everything looks, it seems to lack, again, I keep using the word wonder. It's easy to just say style over substance, but that's really what it is. The style is is the people who created the visuals and created the, 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 the makeup and stuff. That's the style. Somehow this movie does not make you make it feel lived in. It does not feel immersive. I mean, there's no emotional struggle and there's no physical struggle. And that's a big problem, I think, with Peyton Reed directing the actors or just not knowing what to do. For example, if you're running through chaos and everyone's just running like they've been told to run, they got like a straight face, like just like you don't look like you're in the middle of a battle or in the finale. No spoilers. These are just humans and they're zipping around town, freaking fighting left and right, running, 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 running. And then by the end of the fight, when the storms calm down, you know, helmets come off or whatever. They just look like super clean, no breathing heavy, not a single sweat. They're just like super polished and yeah we're standing in front of a green screen doing our scene there's no weight either emotionally or physically the hand-to-hand -hand fight that you see in the trailer with kang and and but that's the most physical struggle that takes obviously a long time yeah. to get there <laughs> so yeah. finally gets bloodied up and that does look intense and painful yeah. too little too late but the big thing though is this is the first ant-man movie with this cast that you're bringing over and Peyton redirecting that is primarily in front of a green screen. A big part of why, especially there were no stakes, and this was something I did not expect to say about this film. I felt like there was no stakes or no sense of urgency really came down to some of the performances in this film. Michael Douglas as Hank Pym is not the same Hank Pym no. at all. Like it, it feels like 
some random old guy who was told all his lines before they said action. There was so much of the time where it was clearly obvious that they didn't know how to direct people like Evangeline Lilly and Michael Douglas because they clearly had no clue what they were looking at. Yeah, yeah. and a lot of even the continuity character-wise from the previous movies doesn't fully carry over. It feels like Hank Pym got like a Xanax prescription and chilled way out between yes. movies or something like that. And yeah, Evangeline Lilly, her job is mainly just to be flustered a lot of the time and maybe deal a punch. Kind of. It's called Ant-Man and the Wasp, and I'm like, you should just call this Ant-Man and King. You should call it Ant-Man, Cassie, and King is what you should call this of, movie. Of all the Ant family, <laughs> Hope does feel the most tacked on and the least sort of spotlighted. Like, Michael Douglas was I was kind of astounded by how he was just walking through the film because I really felt like he didn't chilling, know what, what, what was going on. The performer who got more screen time this time around and I thought did a great job and was the one who actually brought intensity, who actually seemed comfortable working in this environment, was Michelle Pfeiffer as Janet. Obviously, she had been in the Quantum Realm for quite some time and her character set up in a way where she's very much traumatized from her experiences there, so she doesn't want anyone exploring the Quantum Realm. But I did have a thought when I was watching this because she's so much like, you shouldn't be looking in there. shouldn't even be thinking should, about the quantum realm. Even, like, put don't your, say quantum put realm in my in there. Like, yeah. Don't even come near it. But then I was going, I thought in the post credit scene for Ant-Man and the Wasp, she was totally sending Scott Lang in there. They're going the, into to, the quantum realm to yeah. c collect energy to help Ghost stabilize herself through the quantum tunnel. Like, Continuity-wise, this doesn't even line up with the last time I saw this woman. Yeah. This doesn't even make any sense right now. But let's ignore that for a moment. It sets up her character in this way to like overcome and, ex and see like what really went down here. I actually really like the flashbacks that you get to see with Janet. I thought they were really strong and very engaging. That was part of the 30-minute chunk that I was talking about yeah. where you do really get to explore some of that, and I thought that was really engrossing. There is humor in it. Like, there were times I really laughed, but a lot of times the humor feels like they're afraid to commit to the overall seriousness of a particular moment, so they're trying to inject some humor. Sometimes it's genuinely funny. A lot of the time it does have that clear-cut effect of they felt like they needed to infuse a joke in here when they didn't need to infuse a joke. Don't get me wrong. There are some yeah. there are some moments where I was like, that was hilarious. I had a couple <laughs> belly laughs. There's, there's a couple moments where I thought were really, really funny. Yeah, it was fine. It's another fine it's entry. It, it would be, it would, I would not call this movie terrible. It's definitely not a glowing but, but review But the fineness <laughs> does make you especially frustrated, I think. I think it's one of those where it's pretty okay in a way that leaves you really kind of aggravated by all the potential that was very visibly missed. Yeah, because I think part of the burn out that some people probably feel after phase four is like a lot of phase four i think for the most part a lot of it isn't isn't terrible no. it's just a lot of it is kind of like oh, i kind of suffered thinking about it once it's done and i was like this movie should not be doing that no at least for, and you know what we're pretty big marvel fans so <laughs> this is the prime movie especially for me as a viewer this is the prime movie yeah. where i want to go in and just have fun with it and look past any whatever flaws to the things i love about an ant-man movie and the excitement for kang to come and it, it fumbled that yeah. so I was especially taken aback because I was like this should have been an easy slam dunk on me as a viewer <laughs> same here I, I really thought that this would have easily been yeah I got some flaws we'll go into them but mainly here oh, here's everything that's great. I thought it was gonna be like the easiest thing to talk about yeah. but I was like this really surprised me just how middleweight it was it's reasonably enjoyable throughout this is that's about the best I can give it with some moments that really truly shine but anyway all right well we're done. <laughs> See you guys. Thanks for being here.